Sports Ethos New York Knicks podcast post trade deadline show. The Knicks didn't make any moves outside of Josh Hart, even though it was a, an exciting trade deadline for a lot of teams, a lot of movement. A lot of guys traded for next to nothing. Bones Highland comes to mind. I think there's a lot of issues with Bones Highland off the court in Denver. Denver had no problem dropping that poison pill off to the Clippers. Because you think about it. The Clippers are going to be one of their competitors in the playoffs, uh, probably. And to give a young, talented player like Bones Highland to the, to the Clippers for what I think amounted to you know, a couple picks. And then eventually it turned into Reggie Jackson, who was traded by the Clippers, not to Denver, but then got bought out and Denver picked him up. Denver's basically, hey, we'd rather have the guard you had than that knucklehead. He's a young kid, though. You don't want to cast him off. Young, talented kid. Let's see if the Clippers Clippers can get something out of him. A lot of interesting movement around the league. But focusing on the Knicks, I just want all Knicks fans to take a minute. Bow your heads. Whatever higher power you believe in, I want you to say a quick little prayer. Thanks. If you're an atheist, just watch a cartoon or something. I don't know. Take a deep breath. Oh, thank you. Insert here for not letting the Knicks be stupid fools and trade for Zach Levine. Thank you so very much. All praise due. If the Knicks traded for Zach Levine and his 45 million or so per year average salary for the next four years or so, it would have been an unmitigated disaster. It still may happen. Please, please, he's a CAA client. Please, somebody, save Leon Rose from himself. Thank you. Insert here. Amen. Boy, when that news came out, came out right after I recorded the show, you started seeing it all over Twitter. The Knicks were in negotiations with Zach Levine. Goodness, goodness. And it's not that Zach Levine is a terrible player. Forget the fact that he's clearly having issues in the locker room with his teammates, if you're following the reports. Forget the fact that he may have some defensive issues, which is the last thing the Knicks need. He's injury prone. He's injury prone. His knee can disintegrate like a Thanos snap at any moment. Any moment. And I don't wish this on him. I don't wish that on him. You know, God bless you, Zach. I, I, he's a hard worker. That's one thing. That I have ascertained about Zach over the years. He works very hard in his game. You don't want any player to get hurt. And I don't mean to make light of it. But the Knicks cannot. They're not in a position. And I understand the Knicks may not get the superstar that they're looking for. And we should probably talk about that for a little bit. But so I get it. And Zach Levine is attainable. And he's, you know, he's a high octane scorer at the position the Knicks need. But no. That's gonna. That's a Russell Westbrook contract waiting to happen. He just signed that contract. You're gonna be exactly where teams were with John Wall, where the Wizards are about to be with Bradley Beal, where the Lakers were with Russell Westbrook, and every team that had Russell Westbrook for the last three years. You don't want to be in that position. 
You don't want to be in a position where you got somebody making 40 plus million dollars a year and they're not playing at that level. You don't want that guy. There's a reason why those guys come available. It's because they're not that good anymore. Don't do it. Don't do it. And I think the Knicks, and it's a real threat over the summer to happen. And I think the Knicks are probably not going to get that superstar within the next couple of years that they want to get. They're not going to get him because, because the Nets, who the Knicks are playing tonight, with them falling apart and throwing up, throwing up all over themselves with a Kyrie Harden Durant experiment, they have landed very nicely with Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and the four draft picks, four first-round unprotected picks they got from Phoenix, they have a nice little haul. A nice little haul. And with the ages of Paul and Durant, I can see a team looking at those first-round draft picks and saying, hey, in two years, those picks are going to be pretty good. The Knicks no longer have a package. The Knicks had a, a package, a trade package, that rivaled pretty much all but about three teams in the league, I would say, for any superstar. On top of the fact that they were competitive, there's probably there's probably only one or two other teams that were competitive in terms of being able to offer a package of picks. Now, forget picks and players. Because if you're willing to trade one of your superstars for another superstar, then, you know, depending on the nuance of the deal, maybe it's not everything it's cracked up to be, right? But in terms of a pick package, and not many teams had a pick package like the Knicks. But now the Nets have a pick package and they have players. And a lot of them. You know, Dorian Finley-Smith is better than what most people think. But even as the player that most people know him as, he's a valuable player. A large wing player. I saw Seth Partnow say on Twitter that the Nets are what the Raptors were supposed to be. With a bunch of wing players who are great defensive players. But the difference with the Nets is their guys, they might be a tick smaller and a, and a tick lighter in terms of strength, but they are shooters. And the Nets are a whole pain in the butt to play right now. And I knew it. I saw it coming, which is why right before the trade deadline, I was telling people the Nets should be actually trying to acquire a star. Because they probably could have still made a mess, depending on what they had to trade for that star. They probably still could have made a mess in the playoffs because of the way they match up with everybody. Claxton, you saw it against the 76ers last night. Claxton can switch out on some guys. He can guard a lot of the bigs in the league, one of the best defensive players in the paint in the league right now. And again, full mea culpa because you know I was ripping Claxton when the first all-star votes came out and he was ahead of a lot of the Knicks. And I was saying Mitchell Robinson is better than him. That's probably not, that's not true. I was wrong. I just, I did not appreciate what Claxton was doing defensively. I thought the idea of Claxton was greater than what Claxton was actually doing on the court. And I was wrong. And Claxton can switch out on a lot of guys. He switched out on Harden a couple times, gave him trouble. Nobody wants to play the Nets, man. And imagine if the Nets had traded some of their ancillary pieces and gotten, and who knows who they would have gotten. I don't think any of that, that person was probably not available, but imagine if they had gotten a high impact player and they still had Cam, Cam and um, McCall along, along with Royce O'Neal. 
Josh Harris is playing. Joe Harris is playing a lot better than he was before early in the year. I think people are sleeping on that. I mean, come on. Cam Jordan has been lighting it up. Nobody wants to play the Nets. They don't. And I knew it as soon as those trades were made. I knew it. Now the Knicks got to play him. And I'm telling you, the Knicks can't lose this game. Spencer Dinwiddie is back. Spencer Dinwiddie is one of the mouthiest Nets there was ever they ever had. He talked all kinds of trash. Now he's back, leading the way for them as their primary ball handler and scorer. God, no. You're a Knicks fan. You do not want this game against this team right now. This is probably the best time to play them when they're still trying to figure each other out. They're going to be a pain in the butt, and I'll be honest with you, I don't see them relinquishing their spot in the, in the, in the, in the playoffs unless, unless the Nets themselves start shutting people down. I don't, think they, I don't think they're losing their spot. You can win in the regular season without that go-to guy. You can win in the regular season without that superstar go-to guy if you got the rest of the pieces. It's in the playoffs where that starts to rear its ugly head as a problem because you don't have that guy that can – you know, break a play and say, okay, none of our plays work in, in producing shots, but you can't guard me. You're going to foul me. I'm going to get to the rim or I'm going to get to my spot and I'm going to score. That's the guy that you need in the playoffs. In the regular season, you can you can outwork teams and get wins. And now the Nets are in a situation where they can switch at every position and they're shooting from every position except for the center position for the, for the most part. They can create matchup issues with with Simmons playing on the court, playing point guard, and sometimes playing uh, big and up front. (sighs) This team is a whole pain in the butt. And they switch all of their screens now, and so you're not gaining advantages for the most part. The only saving grace is that Brunson seemed to score on McCall pretty easily, relatively easily, when the Knicks play Phoenix. On the flip side, Cam Johnson and last time Cam Johnson and and Julius Randle matched up. They were going back and forth. Cam got the better, better of them because Randle got himself thrown out of the game. And Cam had a whole lot to say. Hit the game-winning shot in that game. He had a whole lot to say. So a little bit of a, a rivalry there between those two guys. I do not. And then you have Dimwitty, who his size alone – Creates problems at the guard position for the Knicks, which is one of the reasons why Josh Hart was necessary on his team. And we'll go into that in a little bit. It's just uh, – and, and, of course, there's no Mitchell Robinson. So you're dealing with Sims and you don't know – you know, sometimes you don't know what you're getting with Sims. Of course, Hartenstein has a little bit of a strength advantage on on Claxton. You know, but, you know, Knicks don't always take advantage of that. They might take advantage of it on the offensive boards. Uh, Listen, this is a game that this is not a good game for the Knicks. Knicks give up a lot of three-pointers, and the Nets know it. And every time the Nets play the Knicks, they don't hesitate at the three-point line. And not only do they have good three-point shooters, they have tall shooters. Uh, And it's going to be after the way Knicks fans tore apart Brooklyn last week, after this whole thing fell apart, if they lost again, which would have been, I, I would, which would be, I think, the tenth straight loss against the Nets after all the trash the Nets were talking before and after the trade and what they will talk. Oh goodness, I don't, I don't want to be here. Let one of these UFOs come pick me up, take me in for a ride, and bring me back. 
I don't want to be here for that. By the way, I know some of you have a lot of wishful thinking that these objects that the U.S. government and NORAD are shooting down are aliens. I don't, first of all, I don't know why you're so excited about aliens coming here. I don't know how many movies you got to see. You think these guys are coming here to be friends? They'd have been friends. These guys come here to jack, jack stuff up. But these aren't aliens. These are enemies. And prepare thyself. Okay? These are enemies of the United States spying on the United States and not aliens. Either way, it's not good. Neither one is good. These ain't friendly aliens coming. Trust me. Friendly aliens ain't coming to visit some of you fools. Some of you fools still want Cam Reddish over Josh Hart. I can't believe it. I'm seeing highlights of Cam Reddish in his debut performance where he scored 11 points for Portland in a game that they lost. In a game where they gave up 138 points to OKC, I got to see Cam Reddish highlights because people are complaining about the Knicks trade trading Cam Reddish. Are, are you for real? Remember when the sky was falling when the Knicks gave up 145 points to OKC? Cam Reddish was still here. Was still here. He played in the game and he scored 25 points. 26 points, actually. You guys don't get it. Some of you guys don't get it. And listen, I'm not rooting against Cam Reddish. All right? He was a professional while he was here, as far as we know. I'm not rooting against him. I think he's a talented player. I've talked about him a thousand times. I just don't think he knows how to play professional basketball right now. And and I don't think people understand that there's a difference. A guy who can play professional basketball, he understands what his role is on the team and how to be a star in his role. Simply put, we can dig into a lot more nuance there, but I think that pretty much sums it up. And Cam Reddish doesn't know how to do that. He doesn't know how to be a star in his role. He only knows how to do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. And he has to get better at that. And he also has some technical things that he does as a player that's just not conducive to consistency. He was inconsistent while he was here. In a game, and I think this is perfect, in a game where Portland gave up 138 points, I believe, to OKC. It was 138 points. I think I I memorized that. 138 points to OKC. People are applauding his performance, even though he was on the Knicks and starting when they gave up 145 points to OKC and the whole sky was falling for the Knicks. People wanted the coach fired, right? You remember that? They wanted the coach fired. It was a disaster of epic proportions. And then all of a sudden, we're supposed to applaud the game that he has and yet another loss and his team needs the win. And I'm not putting all the loss on him, but it tells you something. It tells you a little bit of something. If you if you just look at it from a surface analysis point of view, it's empty calories with Cam Reddish. Empty calories. 26 points in that 145 point defensive effort from the Knicks that that day. 26 points he scored. It's not enough. The Knicks need professional basketball players. They need guys who understand how to star in their role on the team. Not guys who, hey, if you just get out of their way, they can ISO and get to the basket 
and score probably 45% of the time. They don't need that guy. Not if he's not going to be defending consistently, defending screens consistently, rotating consistently, fighting for rebounds consistently, being in the right place at the right time consistently. If you're not doing all of that and you're just looking at the 26 points, that's where people go wrong. Looking at the 11 points, that's where people go wrong. It doesn't matter how many points you're scoring if you're giving up those points directly and indirectly in in other aspects of the game. And this is a problem that RJ is having to some degree, too, which is why Josh Hart is in he's in danger of losing minutes to Josh Hart. It's not all the time with RJ, even though his defense is, is suspect and has been consistently suspect. It's not all the time, but there are ebbs and flows with RJ when it comes to his effort and his attention to detail. To his responsibilities. And people are worried about quickly not getting his minutes. They're worried about Grimes not getting his minutes. You should be worried about RJ because I'm pretty sure that the number one reason why RJ played down the stretch of that Utah game is because Utah was a big team and quickly, quickly wasn't able to stop Horton Tucker. There was too much size on the court. I think more games tonight than then not, you're going to see quickly and heart in that game. More games than not. We all know about what quickly brings to the team on both ends of the floor and Grimes, who a lot of nights might still be in the game, especially if Hart is not shooting well. Grimes has to shoot well. He's not shooting well right now. He might be a little tired. He should be tired. Remember, Grimes is in his second year, but he was hurt most of the year last year. He's never played this much in the NBA. He's probably getting a little tired. It's probably for the best the Knicks got him somebody or got somebody who can kind of do some of the things that Grimes Grimes does, at least from a defensive perspective. Because Grimes, there's a lot of responsibility put on Grimes. He plays the primary perimeter player on the other team. He has a fight over screens constantly. There's a lot of responsibility put on him, and there's really no one who can do what he does because quickly is smaller than he is. So even when, if quickly is used as that guy, sometimes the size hurts the team. And also, if quickly is used to replace Grimes, then they're losing something that quickly typically does. That's how important quickly is. That's why I don't believe in this whole idea that Hart is going to take quickly's minutes significantly. It's just that some games of quickly is going to be in the game down the stretch, and sometimes it's going to be Hart. It's going to be about size. Sometimes it's going to be Grimes in the game. Sometimes it's going to be Hart. It's going to be about who's playing better. And sometimes it's going to be Grimes quickly and Hart in that game if RJ is not balling out. And you saw RJ give a little bit more effort in the second half of that Utah game because I think what Hart does is a little contagious. It should be. You see somebody giving that much effort on the floor. It's hard for you not to. How are you going to be the lazy one? Why are you going to be the watcher? You see Hart flying around the court getting those rebounds that the Knicks could not get before. And I talked about this at length, about what Hart does for this team. And there's too many Knicks fans out there who just want every move to be some big splash for some talented guy like Cam Reddish who can do amazing things once a week. But the the way you win games is to do the things that Hart does. That's how you win. You need guys who are Brunson and Good Randall and good RJ. You need those guys too. But in order to win games, you need guys like Hart. You need guys like Quickly. You need guys like Grimes. That's why I don't think these guys are going to lose significant minutes. 
because Hart is here. Now, we knew McBride was going to be the guy who's odd man out. And who knows what the prospects of that are going forward. I I did kind of throw out there that there's a chance that Hart could allow Toppin to be on the floor a little bit more. Okay, we didn't really necessarily see evidence of that in a Utah game. You did see evidence that Toppin is starting to lose his patience. He actually played less minutes in that game than he typically plays. You see, he's starting to lose his patience with his teammates. And he should. And what we're seeing with Toppin is going to be sad going forward. We got plenty of time to go into it. A lot of people wishing that Toppin got traded to give him a chance to to flourish. Listen, if you're a fan of the organization, you're not wishing for a talented player to get traded. (laughs) You just you're wishing for the, the organization to extract as much talent and or and or value out of the player as possible. And I think Toppin has a lot more to his game than he's allowed to show. But he has to be a star in his role, too. But I don't even think he gets an opportunity to be a star in his role. Because there are opportunities for him on the floor that are that he's dependent on the other players to find him. And there are opportunities he, he has, opportunities that he has on his own that he doesn't necessarily make the best of. So you got to throw blame his way. But I don't think there's anything that Toppin can do that would get him more than 20 minutes. I think there are things that Toppin can do that can keep him between 15 and 20 minutes. And I think that Toppin, I would say about 80% of the time at this point, I don't think this was true last year, but at this point, I think about 80% of the time, the reason why Toppin is removed is Toppin or, and or his teammates not finding him, allowing him to be impactful. I will mix those two things together. I think less so this year than in previous years, Thibodeau is holding Toppin from back from getting a few more minutes. I think Toppin's own play sometimes keeps him out of the game, along with his teammates not finding him and allowing him to flourish, missing him on back cuts, missing him in transition, not pushing the ball when he's in the game, not not finding him when he's open. You know, so some of it is is him missing rotations and and uh you know getting torched defensively. Sometimes it's him and a lot of times it's his teammates not helping. And and a little bit of Tibbs always wanting to go back to Randall. And I think another reason why Tibbs goes back to Randall is because the offense isn't scoring consistently. If the offense scores consistently, I think he sits on it. He sits on Randall a little bit more. Not much more, but a little bit more. So if the offense is humming, if you're running and you're playing well, then there's no real there's no big need to bring Randall back at the six minute mark of the second quarter or the eight minute mark of the second quarter, which you see sometimes, eight minute mark. If you're playing well, he'll sit him for another couple minutes. Now always playing well. We know about the ups and downs in that second unit. So how the Knicks find minutes in that second unit now or how they allocate the minutes is going to be interesting. You want Brunson to play with Hart for a little while at the very least. Hart looks like he's going to be one of the first guys off the bench. It's going to be around a six-minute mark. So you'll probably get about six minutes with Brunson and Hart in the first quarter. 
and then Brunson's going to come out and he'll come back in the halfway mark of the second quarter. I think Hart plays all of those minutes. He plays all of those minutes. Second half of the first, first half of the second, he's going to be in the game without question. All right. But I think Hart can help quickly be better. You saw that a little bit in the Utah game. I think he can make Obi better because Hart can get the rebound and take off down court. He wants to run and he can handle. Hart came into the league as a point guard, if you remember. They were trying to play him at point guard. So he can get the rebound, come down court, make good decisions. And if they play with more pace and transition with that second unit, Obi might find more minutes. You didn't see it in the Utah game, but Obi might find more minutes. I, I'm holding out hope for that. You know, but I think the Knicks got the exact guy that they needed for this particular roster. There's a lot of talk about him being a free agent. I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he's a Nick. Um, without question, I think he's a Nick. I saw a, a story from Stephen Bundy who tried to into, insinuate that, the, that Hart's going to go into free agency. He is going to go into free agency, but the Knicks are going to sign him. And I'm pretty sure that's going to be the case. I don't think he leaves the organization high and dry with everything he's been saying the last couple of days and with his good friend on the team and Jalen Brunson. I think he's going to be here. And I don't think it's, it's a either or with Grimes. I don't think it's an either or with quickly. It's possible, but I don't think so. I think it's about depth. I think it's about options. I think he was pretty much as, you know, there are other players who are have better scoring prowess that you could have put in that position. But if Grimes is your future, then it's one of those things. Unless you bring in a superstar, you don't don't bring in a half measure and you still know that you need a superstar. The superstar is either going to be playing small forward, which means no Randall, or he's going to be playing shooting guard. So don't bring in a guy who's like a half measure. He's not quite a superstar, but he's a guy who's expecting 35, 40 minutes to come in if if you know that Grimes and RJ is still going to be here. So who knows what the future holds? But right now with this team, I think this moves make this move makes them very competitive. And I think the Knicks are in a situation right now where they're not going to lose because they don't have enough talent, not in the regular season. The playoffs is a different situation, maybe. But not in the regular season. They're going to lose because of their own mistakes as players or schematic mistakes by the coach. So this is going to be a nice little run, these, these remaining games here to see what you really have. And I do think at this point, there must be people in the organization, not just the shady folks in the organization, but there's got to be people in the organization that sees this similar to I to the way I see it. it. The Knicks have everything they need to be competitive every single night. And we've seen that. We've seen that all year long before they even had Hart. Before they had Hartenstein playing the way he's playing. Before they had quickly actually scoring the ball the way he scored. Before Brunson really hit his stride. Brunson's playing as well as Donovan Mitchell is right now, if not better. I think there are there gotta be, there has to be guys in the organization who see this as this team is competitive every night. This team has an opportunity, opportunity to beat teams every single night. If they don't do it, You'll have to dig deep into the reasons why, and you'll find out sometimes it's schematic, and sometimes it's because some of your main players have holes in their game that they shouldn't have at this age. 
or they shouldn't have at this juncture in their career. And maybe those are guys that don't need to be here anymore. But if you trade them, you can't trade them for anybody. You can't trade them for a bunch of a bunch of ancillary pieces. You better trade them for a guy who doesn't have those holes in their game and can still give you what that player was giving you. And I think that's the, the trick. I don't know if those guys exist. You know, it's hard to play in New York. It's hard to play in New York. And some of these guys are built for it. Some of these guys are 80% built for it. But you don't want to trade for a guy who's 30% built for it because it's just like three steps forward and two steps back. I really don't think, and I talked about this earlier, I don't think the Knicks, I don't think the Knicks will have access to the superstar they need in the next two years. And I'm not getting into whether or not Donovan Mitchell was that guy or not, whatever. We talked about that before. I'm not going to do that right now because it's not an option. I don't think they'll have access to the superstar that they need primarily because the Nets have a better package now. This might be the team. And if it's not the team, it's likely that the Knicks have made a mistake in the guy that they traded for. Because I just don't see that guy available. I just don't. And if he comes available, the Nets are going to beat you out for him. This is the team. So you got to fight and scrap for victories because in two years, this team is going to be different. If you're a Knicks fan, enjoy what this team can do and hope they can maximize what they have. And part of what the Knicks can do to make to make their prospects a little bit greater is to let Obi Toppin actually touch the ball more. <laughs> touch the ball more. You might have something there if you let him touch the ball more. At the very least, you can sit Randall for a few more minutes and he won't be so dog tired at the end of the game. Because a lot of times he is. If you're watching the timeouts and stuff, he is dog tired. He is playing hard. And so is Brunson. Hart indirectly allows Brunson to sit more minutes. Obi Toppin could potentially help Randall sit more minutes. But you have to utilize the weapons you have on the team. And I'm hoping in that second unit that Josh Hart, because this offense is really a read and react offense. I'm hoping that Josh Hart can actually take advantage of that and find opportunities for guys that haven't been able to find them, find them on their own. That's what I'm hoping you might not see it tonight against the Nets because the Nets can switch everything and they have so many versatile defenders, which is why it's a pain in the butt. But I think going forward, that's how important Josh Hart is. Josh Hart is Josh Hart is not afraid to do what Grimes could do. Grimes could beat people off the dribble and create offense for people, and he doesn't do it. Maybe because he doesn't think he's supposed to, whatever the case may be. Josh Hart doesn't have that. Josh Hart's just going to play. And maybe that rubs off on the other guys. It should rub off on the other guys. You saw quickly get a little unleashed. You saw quickly acknowledge Hart a few times because Hart made plays for him. I think quickly, and I've been saying all year, quickly is a better off the ball player than he is an on on the ball player. I will I will roll around the dirt with anybody on that. Josh Hart allows quickly to be off the ball more. Grimes should have allowed quickly to be off the ball more. RJ allows quickly to be off the ball more, but RJ's not a playmaker, as you saw him missing Obi Toppin open for two seconds under rip. Right. He's not a playmaker. He, he's very much, very much has tunnel vision. He's very much focused on his own offense. Hart is not like that. And I think, hey, I think there's something there. I think if they can very quickly get Hart indoctrinated into what they're trying to do, that they can beat a lot of these teams. 
and get themselves into the top six of the playoffs. And once they get there, outside of Milwaukee, outside of the 76ers, who they almost beat the other night, I don't think they could beat the 76ers, period. All right? But maybe with Hart, they have a chance of somebody else to throw at Harden. There's an opportunity. And because the way the Sixers play, the way they, they never really, they don't often enough post them beat up deep in the paint. They try to post them up at the top of the key or at the free throw line. Eh, I, I don't like it. I think it's easier to scheme against. But I think the 76ers are just a bad matchup for the Knicks at the point guard and center position. Maybe Hart gives them more options uh, with Harden. But I just don't, at the end of the day, I don't think they can match up. And, of course, Milwaukee's Milwaukee. And Boston is Boston, but the Knicks have had a little success against Boston. Even though they don't always win the games, they they play them tight. Even when Boston hit whatever, 27 threes, that was a close game. I'm not really afraid of Boston. I think Boston is just a better professional basketball team than the Knicks are. At the end of the day, the Knicks are attacking from a lot of positions right now. You see how well Brunson is playing. You got a guy in Hart who's making hustle plays. You got quickly coming up the bench. They're a deeper team. They're just not as talented as Jason Tatum. <laughs> Nobody's as talented as Jason Tatum. But outside of that, they're a deeper team. If they can find ways to score, right now the Knicks are eighth in offense, averaging a point per possession, which you would never believe as a Knicks fan. And it's because both Randall and, and Brunson are shooting a very high percentage for the types of shots that they take, Brunson especially. Randall at 46, 47% from the field with the shot rate that he has, whether you like it or not, it's pretty impressive because he takes a lot of bad shots. So I'm predicting a loss tonight against the Nets. Unfortunately, I don't want to. I'm going to enjoy the game. It's going to be bad. It's going to be real bad. Joe Harris is going to have five threes. It's going to be terrible. But I really like what this team looks like with Josh Hart. And for all those folks out there questioning, now I will say this, with the way the trade deadline ended up playing out, seeing the Knicks have to give up a first-round pick for Hart when you're seeing all these players getting passed around, like McDaniels went to 76ers for a couple of second-round picks. Thibault moved for some second-round picks. Like A lot of guys move for second-round picks who are comparable trade value to a Josh Hart, if not a greater trade value because Hart is not a, is a lot of them aren't free agents. The Knicks might have got raked over the coals a little bit <laughs> in that trade in hindsight once you started seeing these other trades play out. But if Hart is what the Knicks need, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh, Hart, I do think he's going to hit more threes than people expect him to hit. But if he doesn't, it's going to hurt them a little bit. But of course, you know they could put Grimes back in the game. But the Knicks got to win these games. They got to win these games. These are all winnable games for the Knicks. Bad matchups aside, these are all winnable games for the Knicks, and they got to come through. Got to come through. And a lot of these games are going to come down to the final possessions, and you're seeing, you're, you're seeing them get a little better and better every game. Sometimes they have a couple steps back, but then they still they still pull some of these more of these wins out in the last few weeks than they were early in the year. You just don't want to end up in a play-in. You just want to get in that top six because the door's open there. And I understand Miami's playing well, but you got to outplay these guys. You're playing. You have a tougher record. That's fine. But th- those things even out. You had a weaker record earlier. You should have taken a better advantage of it. 
there are, there are no teams you can't beat. You got to finish it. But anyway, make sure you check out sportsethos.com. Follow at sportsethos. Follow at ethos Knicks. Until next time.